Well, good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to church this morning. My name's Rich. I'm not one of the pastors here. But I've been invited to come and share a few things with you. Um, for, for the past 41 years, I've been at Point Loma Nazarene University teaching and coaching. And uh, you have so many great things going on here. And, and Pastor Chris is amazing. I, I do have to say, I, I thought uh, it was a little tacky, Jenny, you subliminally uh, suggesting Azusa Pacific might be a university worthy of going to, but, um, <clears throat> you know, we'll give you that one. Um, as a teacher, I pretty much do activity classes. I don't really speak a lot, so this isn't my forte at all. And I tell my students, if I have to speak, if, I, if you fall asleep, i got to start over, which reminds me of a congregation that... Uh, where the ushers would walk up and down the aisles with these huge, long, pointy sticks. And uh, when anyone would fall asleep, they'd walk up and, po and po poke the pastor, you know. So uh, I'm glad to see no one's got any sticks walking up and down the aisles today. <clears throat> um, before I get started, I want to wish everybody here a happy birthday who is a father. It's one of the great days, um, and uh, it's great to see that you probably had a choice today of anything you wanted to do, and you came to church. Way to go. It's a fantastic day and made even more special for me, as my father is with me. He turned 92 three days ago. And uh, on Friday, we played three-generation golf. And he and my son, Haplin, and I went and, and uh, got around the course. It was really a great time. Dad continues to be someone I admire very much and look up to. He's my hero, and someday I hope to grow up to be just like him. Today is also special. My mom would have turned 93 today. She went to be with the Lord a couple years ago, and uh, she's one of the greatest mothers in the world. It's a special day. I'd like you to know the rest of my family. Uh, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> Uh, on the uh, left up there is my beautiful wife of 33 and a half years, um, Heather Page, and she still rocks my world for sure. Between her and me is my daughter Maggie Page, who's uh, in Costa Rica right now, is 31 years old, and is comfortably single, so I'm putting on my coach's hat here and doing a little recruiting while I'm up here. So. <laughs> letting you know. <clears throat> um, in front of her and me is our son Haplin. He's 29 and um, been married for five and a half years to a beautiful girl named Paige. So I have Heather Page, Maggie Page, and Paige Page. <laughs> Thinking of writing a book. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> uh, the two below my daughter you might recognize. Uh, are, um, below my wife is my uh, my daughter, Dakota, and her husband of five and a half years, A.J. Wolf. Now, they were youth pastors here at Las Flores a few years back and really enjoyed their time here. When they were finished, they decided to go to South Korea and teach English to kids there. They just returned in March, and on April 10th, we took them to Campo, California, where they reached through the fence and t touched the uh, other side of the border, which is Mexico, of course, and turned around and put on their backpacks and started off on a uh, five-month, 2,635-mile 2, trek 
to do the same thing on the northern border of the United States and Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail. They're somewhere between Mammoth Lakes and Lake Tahoe right now, so they're making good time and doing well. But if you knew AJ and Dakota, this would not be that surprising to you. They're quite adventurous. Um, and they send you their best. I asked my son the other day what would be better to do here, just speak to you or tell you my story or just what? And he said, just share what's going on with you and what you're learning right now. So I think I'll try to do that. And uh, before we get started, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me real quick. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Open the ears of our hearts, the eyes of our mind. Help us to see and hear what you have for us. The words that you have spoken through your word and uh, what you will speak to us today are the important things and help us to rely completely on you for what will happen today. Thanks for the fathers and the families that are represented and all, and everybody here. Pray these things in Jesus' name. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Um, little disclaimer, I need you to know I've not had an original thought in my life. Uh, I read a lot. I looked at a lot of podcasts. I follow a lot of pastors, Andy Stanley, Bob George, um, Ralph Harris. Most of this content is kind of coming from Andrew Farley and the uh, grace message, but uh, there's just a lot of great things that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to me anyway. And uh, anyways, a lot, lot, uh, lot of good stuff out there. I've entitled this little talk, The Other Side of the Gospel. And uh, some truths that I've been learning, truths that I've been learning and I've come to know over the last couple of years that have absolutely transformed my life. Um, before we can get to the other side of the gospel, we can start on the first side of the gospel, which is coming to Christ. <clears throat> and I did so at age 15. I knew Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I knew 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us our sins. I knew Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will answer, uh, open the door, I will come in. Uh, John 5.24, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me will have eternal life. I knew all that, and I realized that I couldn't save myself, though I tried. And, it was, and if it was left up to me, it wasn't going to happen. It's a little bit like Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 when he said, your righteousness needs to be a little better than the Pharisees here. And uh, my righteousness wasn't close to the Pharisees, and their righteousness wasn't enough for Jesus either. So I was woefully short. So it wasn't much of a stretch for me to realize I had nothing to add to the cross of Christ and what he's done for me. My best bet was just to say, thank you, and believe it. What I now know is that coming to Christ is not about how great God is, not about how great I am. So on one side of the cross, or the gospel, we come to Christ and we accept his forgiveness. We were crucified, buried, and then risen with him again on resurrection day. But now what? That's what the other side of the gospel is all about, what I wanted to come talk with you about today. When I accepted Christ, the guy up front who was leading <clears throat> said, now, if you accepted Christ, I want you to stand and acknowledge Jesus before men so that he will acknowledge you before the Father. I had a sinking feeling that the work to live this Christian life was going to be largely left up to me. 
if I would just do the right things, could make God proud, and I could make the Christian life work, and God might keep me in. Question that I want you to consider today, that I considered, did God really give us this new life and save us, and it was all him and none of us, just to push it back on us, saying, now let's see what you can do with it. Is it suddenly up to us to make the Christian life work after salvation? The Christian life is incredibly wonderful. It's also incredibly hard. No, it's brutal. No, it's impossible. Only one guy was able to sustain the Christian life. And again, I'm not him. Fortunately, it's not about how well I can keep this up or how well you can keep it up. It's not about your covenant, your promise, or your pledge. It's God's covenant, God's promise, and God's pledge to us. I felt for over 40 years after being a Christian that it was up to me to manage my sin. I had this vision that I'm here and God's over there and in between is this pile of garbage and sin that uh, I was trying to figure out. On good days, I could push it down enough and maybe get a glimpse of God and hear his voice sometimes, or maybe I could yell across, hey. And, uh, but most of the days, I was working my tail off just to get a little bit of a feel that he was even there and not get completely buried. I felt God was silent most of the time. Have you ever felt God was silent? Where was God? I've come to think that part of the reason that we might feel this way is we don't have a proper picture. And we keep begging for things he's already given us. Sometimes in church, in the music we sing, Aaron was wonderful, actually. I, this, this was great stuff, so we're, this is no comment on, I'm just saying, kind of overall. <laughs> uh, in Sunday school, in our quiet time, in our prayers, we ask for more freedom from sin. But Romans 6, 7, we are completely free from the power of sin. We want to be maybe more the light of the world, but in Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world. Not you could be, not you might be if you'd straighten up, but you are the light of the world. We beg the Holy Spirit, come and fill us more, more. All the while, Romans 5 and Romans 8 say, we have already been given the Holy Spirit, and we are filled, and there we are full. We beg for more righteousness, but all along, Corinthians says, you've been given the righteousness of Christ, all the righteousness you'd ever need. We beg for more spiritual blessing. In Ephesians, it says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So if we were already full to the brim, let's become familiar with who we really are in Christ and maybe stop begging so much for things that we already own. Much so that I printed, our identity becomes everything. So much so that I printed some information for you guys. It's a hundred scriptures of who God says we are and what he thinks of us. And my cool little worker minions is going to pass those out to you as I continue. Thank you very much. So now my picture of God is not me, him, uh, me, 
my garbage pit and God over there, I picture God standing next to me with his arm around me and saying, wow, there's a, some stuff there, isn't there? Let's go over here and get to know each other a while. We'll talk about that later. So the picture is completely different. God is on my team. He's on my side. Today we celebrate another event called Juneteenth. It's my understanding that there was a time when President Lincoln had declared the Emancipation Proclamation freeing the slaves. But it was another two and a half years or more that the word didn't get down to Texas. And the slaves down there were still slaves, acting like slaves and being under the master's hand there. Sometimes we're like that. We do not know that we are free in Christ and that we are fully complete in him at the point of salvation. I brought a video with me I want you to see. It's very short, very fast. You're going to have to listen quick. Your homework today, I have two things, but one of your homeworks for today is to go home, pull up on YouTube the New Testament gamble, and watch this three or four more times so you can get all it's got to give you because it's really good. Isn't that great? I just love that video. I've probably watched it a hundred times. It still speaks to me. I particularly like the part where it says, I will never, ever, ever, ever use the word punish in relation to them again. Well, I grew up with a little bit of the fear of Judgment Day. And at the end of my life, I might be declared unfit or not good enough you go through this whole Christian life only to not make it at the end. Wow, that's just weird, I guess. Um, maybe not so weird. I was, I was afraid I might mess up and be asked to step aside and not enter into my rest. I felt like there were mistakes I could make that would screw it all up. I believed early on that there was a kind of a gathering of all the things we do in life and put on a big screen surround sound for everyone to see all your stuff my stuff would not have looked very good uh, would not have turned out well I don't think um, and uh, I did kind of just made me sick to my stomach and uh, you know I, I it's nice well let's, 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 let's do this Let's look at uh, 2 Peter and what he says about judgment. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Of course, we know trials would be kind of a courtroom situation and it's usually criminal and conviction and punishment in, re in regards to those. From trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So on the day of judgment, there is going to be a day of judgment, by the way, so we don't want to pretend maybe there isn't. The Bible's pretty clear on that. But it's not for the righteous. It's for the unrighteous. That was comforting for me. Uh, let's also look at uh, 1 John 4, 17 through 18. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment confidence in the day of judgment. Wow, that was a new concept. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment and no one fears. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. As he is, so are we. That's a fantastic kind of position to be in. We see judgment is not reserved for us, but for those who have not accepted Christ. We have confidence in the day of judgment. Judgment is actually going to be a proclamation when God says, yes, this is my son. This is my daughter, whom I am well pleased. Welcome. Enter your rest. It's going to be a great day. Fear has to do with punishment, and those under judgment can expect God's punishment. God has saved you, changed you, given you a new heart, a new spirit, a new nature, and has come to live inside of you, and there is no no judgment for the righteous. Our assurance of this is this. It's not about what you or I have or have. The same way you came to Christ, sound familiar? Colossians 2, Paul says, in the same way you came to Christ, now continue in him. Well, remember, we came to the first side of the gospel with nothing and depend completely on Christ. It's not about us or what we can do. It's about what Christ and what he has done. And it's the same with the other side of the gospel. It's about how great God is, not how great I am. This paper with 100 verses describes who God thinks you are. So if you're wondering, take a look at it. Another homework assignment. Uh Uh-oh, take three or four of these verses a day for the next 30 days and call me in the morning. Wait, no. Uh, Take three or four verses of these. Think on them every day for 30 days and see if learning who God says you are doesn't make a difference for you in your life. In John 10, 28 through 29, says, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Wow. Never perish, never be snatched out of your Father's hand. It's a pretty strong grip, I guess. It's great. Love to see it. What assurance, though. I think that's an incredible thing right there. Romans 8, 31 through 33. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our team. He's on our side. He's with us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously graciously give us all things? Who then can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. I don't justify, right? It's God who justifies. Kind of important. As God is on our team, God's on your team, he's on my team. He's for us. If you feel like he's not for you, remember these hundred verses and that it's not about you, it's about him and about what he's done. Nothing can separate you and me from the love of God, and it is him who justifies, not us. The enemy of your soul, the accuser, wants to accuse you. Yeah, but wait, what about all those things you're doing right now? What about that thing you did? 
I've really hurt some people. What about that sin? Ooh, there's a biggie there. What about that? And he's trying to push this back on you. Accusing you. And we feel at times that that's God. And God says, don't put my face on him. That's not me, that's the accuser. Pointing his finger at you and saying how much you've missed the mark. After all these verses, ones in your hand there and some of the ones we've talked about, I had to ask myself, is God a liar? I mean, look at all these verses. Is this the truth or what's the truth? Is God a liar? In Hebrews 6, we see that the new covenant is by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly be encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. God is not a liar. So the new covenant is between two unchangeable things. God, who is not a liar, and God, who is not a liar. Covenant is between two unchangeable things. Well, where am I in this, you say? I say. Well, that's the point. You see, I'm, cha- I'm changeable. From day in and day out, I can, I'm all over the map. I'm unreliable. I'm not a very good promise keeper. But it's not about me. It's about the two unchangeable things. We have this hope also anchored as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Wow. What great assurance we have. I had this fear of abandonment that I might lose, that God might get sick of me, that I might do something really horrendous, mess it up. But I have an anchor for the soul that's firm and secure. We can be anchored in the fact that it is not about our promise and pledge, but God has promised God these two unchangeable things to secure our relationship with him. Okay. So on the words of Top Gun, let's land this plane. Look at 1 Peter, and we'll finish with this one. Is there a 1 Peter? I hope so. Oh, there we go. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Oh, this is good. This was worth coming for this morning, so here we go. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. His great mercy has called us to be born again. Not our mercy, his mercy. To obtain an inheritance that is imperishable, it won't die undefiled or pure meaning it can't be dirtied or messed up 
will not fade away, meaning it won't leak out at the end. So in conclusion, I'm introducing to you the other side of the gospel after you've become a Christian. It's not actually about you or what you're doing or not doing. It's all about what God has done. It's not about how great you are or I am. It's about how great God is. If you think you're smoking and drinking and sinning and being angry and anxious is a determining factor of whether or not you stay in or out of this relationship with God or whether or not God is even happy with you or not. Let's get a biblical view of ourselves, the one God has, and renew our minds daily, at least for the next 30 days. When we realize it's not about us and whether it's on the first side of the gospel when we come to Christ or the other side of the gospel, that it is he who has forgiven us, he who has done all the work to save us. There is no additional judgment waiting for believers, no fear of a giant video screen in the sky showing all the things we have or have not done. We can have confidence and have no fear of punishment. No one can snatch us out of the hand of God. He is for us, not against us. You have heard the word of God. You believed. Now you are sealed with the promise, with the Holy Spirit. Our assurance is not about our promise, but God's promise to himself. These two unchangeable things anchor us. The hope is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. This hope is reserved for us in heaven. Wow, that's great. What then can we say? All we can say is, thanks be to God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and grow into who God says we truly are. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Help it penetrate our souls, our hearts, our minds. Help us renew our minds to catch up with the new heart you've given us. Thanks for this morning. Go with us as we have another great Father's Day ahead. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.